and we also are called to be the roses of many colors in which she manifested herself to, I guess, symbolize the diversity that she's the mother of all of us, not just us Mexicans. Today's saint is a cultural icon, the patroness of the Americas, and personally important to me. Who is Our Lady of Guadalupe? Defends her. I'm a Guadalupe. You are? Yeah. What is your name? I'm Penny. <laughs> are you Penelope? Yeah. Guadalupe? Yeah. Estelle? Yeah. I'm Penny. That's my seventh child, Penny. She shares her middle name with two of her great-grandparents. Their namesake, Our Lady of Guadalupe, is who we are talking about today. My name is Annie Daniel, and this is For All the Saints. The story of the apparition of the Blessed Virgin Mary to Juan Diego is simple enough to tell outright. However, the history surrounding the event, the political and cultural forces that were present at the time, well, those are more nuanced and complex. So we begin our story roughly 10 years before Our Lady appeared. It starts with the arrival of the conquistadors into what is now Mexico. One of the ones who conquered Mexico, the Aztecs, um, was Hernán Cortés from Spain. Hernán Cortés was very devout, a very Christian Catholic, devout of our Blessed Mother. That's Maria Socorro Munoz of Blessed Sacrament. When after the you know, discovery of America, you know, Spain, they were trying to conquer you know, America. So he came to Mexico and at that time, the tribes that were there mostly, they were Aztecs. They were pagans. Um, they believe in many gods. One of the main god uh, was their son, the sun and the moon. And the moon, they considered the mother of their sun god. And they believe that they enable for the sun to come every day you know, they have to offer sacrifices, daily sacrifices in which they, they sacrifice the, the people, the victims, alive. They turn up their hearts and offer up to their gods. Cannibalism was practiced as a part of these rituals, and the pyramid temples to honor each of these deities were central to Aztec life. So when Hernán Cortés came to America, they somehow, they have a premonition that their god, one of their gods was going to come back, so they thought that was the Spaniards, so they went to conquer them with gold, to encounter them with gold and all that stuff. But at the same time, Cortes was disgusted when he saw what they were doing. So he began to destroy their temples, fight against them and everything, and destroy their temples completely. In every temple, he placed a statue of Blessed Mother right there. And he brought the Franciscans' uh, order to, with him to, these first Franciscan missionaries baptized a small number of converts. But uh, among them, there was an Indian and his wife. His name was Cuatlotlatzin and Maria Lucia was his, um, his wife. When he was baptized, he received the name of Juan Diego. As Juan Diego and his family began to practice their faith, he began to attend Mass regularly, even though it meant traveling some distance. It is said that Juan Diego treasured the Eucharist and found it a great privilege to receive the Lord. In 1531, as he made his way to Mass on December the 9th, he heard birds singing as he passed Tepeyac Hill. As he looked around to find the source of the noise, he saw a beautiful woman surrounded by light. She says, Juan Dieguito, like little Juan Diego, you know. Um, and he says, yes, my lady. And she says, uh, I'm 
the Blessed Virgin, mother of the true God, in which um, all is living, created. She asked Juan to go to the bishop at the time, who's, who was from Spain, uh, to build a church in, in her honor there. Uh, bishop wants proof that, uh, that this really happened. <laughs> uh, St. Juan Diego is kind of skeptical. He gives Mary uh, a lot of excuses, uh, not unlike Moses and other leaders that we see all through the Bible, uh, how unworthy he is to, to do such a task, how incompetent, etc. He kind of pushes it off. Lady, you need to send somebody else more worthy. They don't believe. He doesn't believe me. He said, I have so many angels or choirs that I can send, but I have chosen you, the little of my children. So go tomorrow and tell the bishop again the same message. On the 10th of December, Juan Diego went again to the cathedral to see the bishop. The bishop, surprised by his tenacity, took a little more time to hear Juan Diego's story. He said, how this lady looks? Is she a goddess? He said, no, 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 she's not a goddess. She's beautiful and humble, and, and, but she wants you to build her a temple, you know, where she can hear the cry of the ones who are afflicted. The bishop was still skeptical, so he gave Juan Diego his own task. Ask the lady to give you a sign of proof so that I know what you say is true. Juan Diego headed home once again, but upon arriving there, he found his uncle Bernardino ill, so he spent the 11th of December taking care of him. Early in the morning of December the 12th, his uncle knew he was dying and asked Juan Diego to find him a priest. As Juan Diego made his way back to town, he had to pass Tepeyac Hill, and he was afraid of meeting up with the lady and being distracted from his purpose. He decided to go around the hill instead of his usual route over it, with the plan to avoid the lady. It doesn't matter to Mary, she meets him where he's at. Juan Dieguito, where are you going? He said, oh, my lady, I'm going to Tlatelolco to get a priest for, for, for my uncle who's dying. And, and um, so uh, she apologized, I guess. Then. And he says, uh, do not worry, you know, your uncle is, is okay. He says, am I not, do not worry, she told him, and am I not here who am your mother? I'm not you under my, my protection. Your uncle will be okay. He said, go up into the hill, and I wanted you to go up into the hill, and you will find some roses and send it to the bishop. Juan Diego climbed Tepeyac Hill, a very barren place with only cactus and scrub grass during the summer, and even less in December. But at the top, he found Castile roses of all different colors blooming. He gathered them up into the rough outer garment he was wearing, called a tilma, and took them back to the lady who arranged them with her own hands. He said, do not show it to nobody, just to the bishop, and tell him that this is the sign. Juan Diego's reception at the cathedral was not particularly warm, and those working for the bishop demanded to see what it was that he was carrying. But Juan Diego stood firm, insisting that only the bishop could see. When he was finally allowed in, he opened his tilma and the roses poured out, and there, where they had been, was an image of the lady. The bishop immediately dropped to his knees in reverence and said, It is the Immaculate One. The bishop began to apologize, and when he heard of the state of Juan Diego's uncle, He sent to, to, uh, to get his uncle, and his uncle came and, and says, um, he told his story how he was healed, that our Blessed Mother appeared to him. It was actually to his uncle that she says, I am, what is her name? He says, she says she was Quat, but he said it in his own uh, Nahuatl language, Quatlachope, and, and which is, uh, and the meaning of that is the one who crashed the serpent. The bishop, thinking of an image of Our Lady from his region in Spain, thought he had said, Guadalupe. 
It became her title from that moment on. The bishop asked to keep the tilma with the image until the church could be built, as Mary had requested, and on December 24th, just twelve days after and just in time for Christmas, a procession was made to Tepeyac Hill, where a new church had been built. The tilma was brought there amid great rejoicing and celebration. And the image? Mary, pregnant with, with child, uh, in, a, in a posture of, of humble prayer, looking down, uh, recognizing that you know, everything that she has is from God. She, she's not a goddess herself. Um, but in, with her hands folded, praying to God, interceding for her people. But again, she appears as a, a mixed-blood woman, uh, so part Spanish, part indigenous, showing, again, that she is, she is, she is for all people. Her dress is pink, tied above her pregnant belly with a black ribbon. Her mantle, or veil, is green-blue and sprinkled with stars. She stands above a blackened moon and in front of the sun whose rays surround her. An angel with the multicolored wings of an eagle carries her on its shoulders, lifting the hems of her dress and veil. It is striking and beautiful, yes, but to the native people of Mexico, it was a clear message about who this person was. Just by looking at her image, because they're full of symbolism, and their language, they didn't have some type of language. There was basically pictures, they call it codex, just by pictures. So she saw this lady is not a god, but she's more than our god because she has the sun behind. She's not a, 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 like our mother, god, the goddess of the sun, but she's the moon is under her feet, you know, and, and all the different images. Millions of Mexicans converted when they heard about what happened on Tepeyac Hill and heard or saw the tilma for themselves. The uh, Franciscan friars, and they made, they came to Mexico and made converts after the conquest. But in truth, um, it was Our Lady who made Mexico Catholic. The tilma, made out of rough cactus fibers, should have disintegrated long ago. And yet, it remains miraculously preserved to this day. For hundreds of years, it was on display where people could touch it, exposed to varying temperatures and light sources, and yet it has experienced only minor fading. About the tilma... Even the scientists today are still baffled by how this image got on it. There's no sign of any kind of a brush, brush stroke. Maybe only the Shroud of Turin is the only uh, religious artifact that's been, uh, or relic that's been more scientifically researched than this. It's, it has survived hundreds of years of, of even bomb blasts and acid being spilt on it, etc. And this image with the colors it has are, are just still just beautiful and, and amazing, haven't hardly faded at all. Science has yet to explain why the temperature of the tilma stays a constant 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit, or why no brush strokes or discernible pigment can be found on the image. Miraculous though it be, perhaps the greatest blessing is that of all of her apparitions around the world, it is here in America that Our Lady has left her image. And, but Our Lady Guadalupe, like I said, a lot of people make jokes, it says, she did her selfie. The image of Our Lady of Guadalupe has been tied to many miraculous victories and events throughout history, but perhaps my favorite is from the Cristeros War in Mexico during the early 20th century. We had a president who was from the Masons. He wanted to get rid of uh, the Christians and Catholics in Mexico when he was in, in power, and he closed all the churches, you know, except the Basilica. So he persecuted the 
kill some, some um, priests. At that time, he ordered that the, the bombs should be placed. He knew that if he destroyed the, 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 the basilica, the image of Our Lady at the basilica, he will get rid of the, the Christian, you know, close all the churches. But uh, the bomb, they put it in a vase of flowers, I guess, and there, at that time she was, you, everybody can touch it, you know. So he put it in a vase and uh, um, exploded. It caused damage everywhere, but the image, she was intact. There was a crucifix, however, that stood between the bomb and the image of Our Lady, and it was bent backwards. It's like Jesus says, you don't touch my mother, you know? <laughs> Mary's appearance to Juan Diego and the sign she gave to the bishop and all of the people of Mexico altered the course of history. Tepeyac Hill, where she appeared, they call it the Bethlehem of the Americas. It is because she brought Jesus into the life of the, of the pagan Aztecs. He was born right there in Tepeyac Hill, and that's what they call it, the Bethlehem of the Americas. And now we have her as the patroness of the unborn, you know, because at that time, daily sacrifices, humans are alive. How, in our times, how many abortions are done Every day, every day. Our Lady of Guadalupe intercedes for us as the patroness of the Americas and in a particular way as the patroness of the unborn. The basilica dedicated to Our Lady of Guadalupe and that houses the tilma is in Mexico City and is the most popular site of Catholic pilgrimage in the world. It's absolutely enormous, first of all. I think it's just, it's hard to sort of grasp the enormity of the space. That's Father Tyler Dennis, pastor of Our Lady of Victory in Kadoka and Our Lady of the Sacred Heart in Martin. And the tilma itself is quite small. I mean, it's, um, your average uh, flat screen TV is probably about the same size as the tilma. I mean, it's, um, it's not very large at all. And so you think like this enormous space, you know, but um, especially on her feast day, you just can't imagine the crowds of people who show up. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people who are coming for this feast day. And it is not the most beautiful church in the world. Um, it just isn't. It's, it's got a very modern kind of feel to it. There's not a lot of... Um, ostentatious decoration within or any of those sorts of things it is kind of simple inside but it is designed in such a way that uh, there is almost nowhere that you can stand inside this church where you can't see the tilma now the idea is that this entire crowd of people uh, all want to be able to see the tilma Father Tyler has been to Mexico and the Basilica twice. As he says, he wouldn't dream of visiting Mexico without visiting Our Lady. You know, I first probably heard about Our Lady of Guadalupe, um, not until I was in college, or at least um, first time I really remember thinking about it. Maybe when I was in high school, I saw something on EWTN or something like that. But uh, I never really had a thought seriously about her until I was in college. I did a Spanish minor in college, and uh, in my senior year, uh, I was in the college seminary at the time, and uh, all of the seminarians had to have some kind of pastoral work, and another friend who was also doing a Spanish minor, he and I uh, kind of connived our way into uh, trying to do some Hispanic ministry. There was a parish in the city that had a decent-sized uh, Spanish-speaking community, and so we were going to try to do some... Uh, catechesis with the young people there and um, it ended up not going super well it ended up not uh, being especially effective or successful but I do remember that I was there um, 
around the time of the the celebration of Our Lady of Guadalupe and the people talking about that and just the enormous importance of that. And honestly, I was kind of a little weirded out by the story at first. I mean, it just... Uh, um, so many of the things that we say about Mary, I think, can, can seem very far-fetched. Um, and they definitely can appear to be non-essential. Like, you know, why, why are these things such a big deal? And it's interesting, I was talking to Father Dylan about that one time, and he commented, he said, you know, that's part of what I love about Mary, is that there is a truth that it is kind of non-essential. Um, she becomes for us sort of a sign of God's just overflowing generosity you know that all of these things um he gives just to give you know, just uh just to give and so um that's when i first really began to think about her i suppose and i had the blessing uh, about a year thereafter to travel to mexico i lived there for 10 weeks uh, learning the language and uh, and uh, near the end of my time there I was able to travel to Mexico City and view the tilma, um, view her image at the, the Basilica. And she's just absolutely beautiful. I mean, she's just so beautiful. And um, I think I really began to, fell in, uh, to fall in love with her then, uh, in part because she's so important to the, the people of Mexico and to their culture. And in those weeks that I was there, I really fell in love with Mexico, and I really fell in love with the people. Um, and so I loved the things that they loved. And uh, um, to see her in person, though, really, just it was, it was spectacular. I mean, just so spectacular. Maria Dolores of Blessed Sacrament has also made a pilgrimage to the Basilica. At the time, she was going through a time of spiritual dryness and was greatly encouraged by... When you look at everybody else and you can see their faith, but you cannot feel your own, you know what I mean? It's like, I was, I, was, I was expecting, you know, I was looking for, for anything, you know, for something. And, and I, I don't know if people have ever felt this, but you know, you're, you know that God exists and you know that he's real and you know that he's there, but for some reason you cannot feel it. You know, you cannot feel the love that he has for us. You cannot feel that love, that, that not even a little bit of that love for him, you know? Right. So it, it, was, it was really hard. I mean, it was, it was a hard pilgrimage because it's all almost uphill, you know? <laughs> and then it was raining. On top of that, it rains. So <laughs> it rained almost the whole way there. So yeah, it was, it was a really difficult experience, but all of that, you just take it in and you learn to appreciate everything, you know. I felt her close to me, you know. I have never felt her that close to me than that day, you know. And, 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 and just, you know, to see the wonderful things that the women that are, that are walking, I mean, there were people there that were, they look um, in age, they look advanced, you know, and they were still walking, they were walking better than I was. They were in better shape than I was. I was like <laughs> struggling. <laughs> but all of my effort, you know, I, I, I think she realized my effort. And, but it was beautiful, you know, the experience. I mean, I, I always tell everybody, and I want everybody to, to experience this, you know, to go for the pilgrimage walk because it's so nice. But, you know, 
you, you, um, how do you call it? She opens the heart, you know, her heart for you, and, and, and you can feel that in every person, in every child that you see along the way, you know, and in everything, you know, and the persons that give you um, food or a place to stay, you know. Overall, it was, it was hard, but it was a really awesome experience. I think I would not change it, you know, and I would definitely go again, you know. They have asked me, are you going to go again? And I'm like, you know, it was really hard. <laughs> but I will, I, will, I will go again. For both Father Tyler and Maria, their experiences of pilgrimage and devotion to Our Lady has been transformative to their faith life. My faith is not the same that it was before, you know. I, I can do anything for him. I would do anything for him and, and, and for a lady Guadalupe, you know. The faith that God gives you with everything that he puts in your life, it doesn't matter what it is, you know. Whatever it is that he puts in your, your life, with, with our lady of Guadalupe and with Jesus, you can go overcome everything. Every obstacle that gets in your way, you know, you can overcome it. Peacefully, you know. Our Lady, upon appearing to the Mexican people, is the one who now all of a sudden gives them pride in who they are, gives them a sense of worth, gives them a sense of honor, gives them a sense of dignity. And it was that idea that this is what she represents, I think, that really captured my own heart. You know, that part of what I was going through in my own process of formation and conversion at the time was really overcoming some of those same sorts of feelings in my own heart. Um, the sense that I'm not good enough, the sense that I don't have value, um, these places of, uh, of painful shame in my, own, in my own life. And this idea that our Blessed Mother, um, that she becomes one of us, that she is one of us, that she's chosen amongst, from amongst us, um, that she gives us value, she gives us worth, is, I think, part of the reason that um, I really came to love her in the same way that the pilgrimage changed the hearts and faith of Maria and Father Tyler, Our Lady continues to call out to the hearts of all people. Together, she and Juan Diego offer lessons and wisdom to all who listen. Because for me, I think the, uh, the part of the story that is most moving, most beautiful to me, is oh, poor little Juan Diego going to the bishop who refuses to see him. Uh, that he's received direct orders from the mother of God <laughs> and the bishop refuses to see him. And this is not necessarily unusual in so many of our in the stories of our saints. They've been instructed by God or by the Blessed Mother to do something and um, their religious uh, superiors said, we're not doing that. Um, but the fact that um, uh, the bishop refuses to see him and when he finally does obtain an audience with the bishop, uh, just the uh, the incredible shock that he must have experienced, and then the wherewithal and the humility to be able to fall on his own knees before her to say, you know, I should have listened. You know, I'm sorry I didn't listen to you. And uh, from there to proceed, you know, with uh, great haste and obedience to build the church as she asks. Uh, I think that's a uh, and that's a particularly valuable lesson as a, as a priest and a leader of a community of people that um, um, we simply can never discount the people in their own experiences of the Lord and that uh, it's not just me 
whose responsibility it is uh, to facilitate these encounters with Christ, but that um, the people to, uh, who have been entrusted to my ministry, that there's something that they bring as well, and that a discerning pastor is going to hear what it is they're bringing and try to find a way um, that their experience of Christ can bear fruit for the rest of the community. And that's certainly the case with uh, um, little Juan Diego. Saide, he, uh, he's becoming more and more and more godless. And that's what I think at that time, Juan Diego struggled with racism, prejudice, the people, but he overcame. Not because of his own, uh, you know, his own abilities, but because of the grace of God and the Blessed Mother. So, so for us, you know, like you said, this simple struggle here, <laughs> while we are here, you know, we need to overcome. You know, and, and, and we need to persevere in our faith, especially right now that our church, our diocese, especially our diocese, our, our church is struggling globally, universally. So that's how much she meant to me. And that's what I, it, it, it's, um, I don't know, the struggles make me more stronger and, and try to become an with pride, but with humility. I think all of us do this in our spiritual life that uh, um, on that last, the last apparition as he's trying to find a priest to come bring the sacraments to his to his uncle, that he decides to take another route, hoping to avoid her, <laughs> hoping to not have to run into her and talk to her again. Um, how often do all of us have these moments where it's like, all right, I've heard you, Lord. I don't have time right now. You know, what you're asking me to do, I just can't do right now. And um, the utter futility of that argument, um, that utter futility of that mode of thinking, and yet... We all do it. I mean, every one of us does it if we're serious about our spiritual lives. There are times when we try to outsmart God and uh, get out of something that he's asking of us. And uh, uh, just as it didn't work for Juan Diego, it's never going to work for any of the rest of us either. God is always, and Mary, it, they're always there for you. You know, right. she would never abandon you. She told Juan Diego, um, que no estoy yo aquí, que soy tu madre. Am I not here? I'm your mother. I'm here. You know, and she told that to everybody, you know, not only us um, Hispanic people. He said it to everybody, you know, she's our mother and she's always there for us. This idea, this truth that Our Lady of Guadalupe is for all of us, no matter our race or culture, was repeated by everyone I spoke to. Well, I'd like to emphasize something that many of our past popes and even the current uh, Grand Knight of the Knights of Columbus, Carl Anderson, really want to emphasize is that Our Lady, Our Lady Guadalupe is the patroness of the Americas, not just of one part of the Americas or one cultural set of people, everyone. One of the basic thing about her message is that uh, Jesus Christ is for everyone. It's He's for the least, the last, the, the, the lost, the suffering, uh, but he wants to unite us all as, as one, one the one body of Christ. One of the things I would love to do at some point is lead a pilgrimage to visit Our Lady of Guadalupe, um, because you know she's not just she's not just for the people of Mexico. Our Lady is never just for one group of people, and um, the Church certainly acknowledges that. The Church certainly recognizes that in naming her the patroness of the Americas. You know that she uh, she's for all of us. That's when she came and appeared as one of the people of Mexico. She really appeared as an American, as a North American, as a, 
as a person of this continent. She really is for all of us. And I think that there's a, a great deal to be gained for any of us who go and visit her. And, uh, and like I say, I mean, she just really is so beautiful. With that unifying idea in mind, we look forward to her feast day on December 12th. Here in our diocese, we are blessed with a bilingual mass that is well-established and a great blessing to all of God's people. When Maria Socorro moved to the area with her family, she experienced many barriers and difficulties that came with immigrating to a new country, but most difficult for her was the language barrier. So when the bishop at the time, now Archbishop Chaput, came to her to ask how he could help the Hispanic community, she requested a Spanish mass. And the time came for a Lady of Guadalupe, and we talked, and our bishop said, it was very personal, very pastoral. Maria, um, how did you want the Lady of Guadalupe to be uh, said in English or Spanish? And because he was here at the cathedral, and, um, and I said, well, because I knew we didn't have as much volunteers and things, the community wasn't that big. I think it will be okay if it's okay with you, they will be bilingual. In my heart, I feel that to share that devotion with, with the rest of the community, especially on Sundays. And for some years, we did it during the week, but also we did it on Sundays as a memorial. We have to use the Sunday readings. So, and that was give the opportunity to the whole fight to the mass, experience that. And that's how it begins the celebration of a Lady Guadalupe being bilingual. Feel blessed with our bishops that have been so supportive of that. Because believe it or not, this is the only full bilingual celebration that we have in our diocese. Uh, um, and as the documents, our bishops in the U.S., uh, sometimes they think there is a division having a Spanish, but in that, it's, it's given, our bishops given the right to all cultures uh, to be, uh, be able to share their faith in their own language. But at the same time, they call us to unify as one body. And bilingual celebrations foster unity among our diversity bilingual music and, and everything, and, 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 and it facilitates the full and active participation of the assembly, like you said, you know, if I, there is a song in English that you can be able or respond, you know. So that's the beauty, uh, um, and like you said, it's, it's everywhere, because she's the mother uh, of, of, of all of us. This tradition of a bilingual celebration continues to this day. Father Mark, as chaplain of the Hispanic community, explains. Uh, the goal, of course, is to be able to bring the whole Hispanic community together in our diocese, but really not just the Hispanics, but it's obviously open to everyone. So uh, even as far as the little things like the worship aid will be in bilingual. So no matter if you're not good in Spanish or you're not good in English, you can follow along. The Mass to celebrate Our Lady of Guadalupe will take place on December 12th at Blessed Sacrament in Rapid City. The night begins with... There is a procession with children. The procession will begin at 520. Uh, with roses to our Blessed Mother. And, and the reason of the children of procession is because the angel, you know, it was angels, but it has a face of an adult. Is like our Lord says in the scriptures, you need to become like children and able to. And that's what the, the, in Mexico they dress up the children as Juan Dieguitos. Just that everyone is definitely invited. Bishop Bruce will be celebrating. Um, somehow we'll be make, making the homily into both languages. <laughs> I'll be using my rudimentary Espanol. Actually, St. Juan Diego himself will appear. Someone's going to dress up as him with the tilma. The morning of the 12th, after the 7 a.m. Mass. We're going to have a bilingual rosary, multicultural, because it's going to be in five different languages. And it's going to be in English, um, Polish, Filipino, uh, um, uh, from India, and in Spanish. 
but it's going to be bilingual. You're going to be able to always respond it in, in English. They, they're going to say the first part in their own native language. And they love to do that because they feel, you know, included. They feel like she's their mother as well. So we're going to pray the rosary for the healing of, of our diocese, the healing of our church in general. And uh, so uh, whoever wants to join us, rosary will begin probably like around 7.45. And then we're going to sing the Mañanitas. Like Father and Maria said, everyone is welcome, but perhaps you're still unconvinced. Even though Our Lady of Guadalupe is, uh, her celebration is not reserved to the people of Mexico, um, this is a people who knows how to celebrate a Catholic party. I mean, and especially here in our diocese, uh, to take advantage of the opportunity to go to the Our Lady of Guadalupe Mass, the Celebration Mass, um, is so much fun. It is so much fun. And if you cannot make the bilingual Mass, you might consider... To go to Mass somewhere and um, to really take an opportunity that day uh, simply to um, to recognize that she's for you. you know, and that uh, in the same way that she reveals to the people of Mexico that they have value and worth and dignity, you know, that our lives have value and worth and dignity. And I think that there's a way in which that can be really particularly important at this time of year. Um, you know, the suicide rate spikes, the depression rate spikes right now around Christmas time. And um, just to, to hear that message again, that uh, we're worth something, um, that we have value, that there's goodness in us. And it may even be a nice way to um, to commemorate her feast day, even if, even if we're not able to uh, to participate in one of the big, huge celebrations, is to maybe stop in that day to visit somebody who's alone, uh, to visit somebody who doesn't have somebody else to visit them, uh, pop into the nursing home, uh, go to a retirement home. Uh, for Pete's sake, um, call your mother. <laughs> Uh, these are all ways that, uh, uh, very simple, practical ways that we can honor Our Lady on that day. If you'd like to foster a deeper relationship with Our Lady of Guadalupe, begin by praying the rosary. Read about her, research her, find an image of her for your home, and don't forget to share her with your children. Maria Dolores' six-year-old son has the right idea. And he actually calls Our Lady of Guadalupe Mama Lupe. So, you know, he had, since he was two, he would call her Mama Lupe, and we said, that's Our Lady of Guadalupe, and he was like, no, that's Mama Lupe, so he calls her Mother Lupe. Our Lady continues to work to convert the hearts of the people of God. May you come to know her, and through that, the Lord in a deeper and more profound way. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. This episode was written and produced by me, Annie Daniel, with technical and production help by Jacques Daniel. Special thanks to fathers Mark Horn and Tyler Dennis, Maria Socorro Munoz, Maria Dolores Munoz, and Penny Daniel. For All the Saints is produced out of the Office of Faith Formation for the Diocese of Rapid City. God bless.